0: Hi, and thanks for listening to LockPod. I'm Katie Ringsdor, and today I'm joined by Hugo Mitchell-Heggs. Hugo used to be a submariner. He also does a lot of work within the mental health space and has rode the Atlantic and is planning to do it again.
1: Um, hi, Katie. I'm, I'm Hugo. I'm a, a Royal Navy submariner. Uh, I joined 11 years ago as a, as a nuclear engineer, and um, and then a few years ago, I um, after years of deploying and going out into some of the most kind of extreme environments on the planet uh, with my team. Um, We decided to do this, take this ocean rowing challenge on. um, And, uh, and, you know, it's it's been a few years since the first one and we're looking to do it again next year.
0: I love how cool you are about that. You know, just, you know so relaxed so relaxed you know nuclear submariner nothing i mean what is life like how can you describe to somebody that knows nothing about submarines or the navy what life is is like below the ocean
1: it's nothing like the new bbc drama vigil uh it's it's uh which i think was mostly filmed on doctor who sets uh makes our world look very dark and gloomy no it's, it's probably very similar to being on a you know on a uh, a very confined warship, you know that kind of environment on board, um, and it's it's um, you know there's no wasted space. Everything's everything's um, everything's got a purpose on board. So you're kind of you as the crew very much fit in around um, all the all the machinery and everything that you need to to not just um, you know kind of survive, but drive the submarine and operate it, and uh, you know all the kit that keeps you keeps you alive. Um, I, I think. You know, kind of breaking it down. It's a lot of obviously a lot of training goes into to, to to living in that environment. So you're you know, it's not like oh you're on a submarine now and you've got to you've got to deal with it. I think a lot of it is um you know you you're, you're trained to exist in an environment where it's about having a very settled routine. You know, kind of like almost it almost feels mundane at times because you know it so well. And then if something happens, you know, an incident happens, you're trained to immediately you know everyone goes into autopilot immediately respond to it kind of that kind of quick actions you know your drills all that kind of stuff uh deal with the incident and then somehow find a way of mellowing back into the routine after that's kind of the environment really it's uh, it's one of two extremes really it's 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 um kind of plodding along and getting on with it and then and a response to 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 you know something crazy and then dealing with it yeah
0: and we don't really hear much about it, obviously, because the whole purpose is to defend and you don't want to be spilling your guts on everything that's happening uh, below the water. But obviously, did you experience many incidents? Is there anything you can kind of talk about that could help kind of describe what you do or what you did under there?
1: Not, not like the whole thing is that we, you know, we do look after our equipment well. So not nothing to, you know, everything, every, everything's got, every machine has got, you know, a life to it and, and things do happen. Um, you know so it could be um, and you know I think as long as you're uh, as long as you know how to deal with it it, it doesn't tend to be too too um, too stressful a scenario too stressful a situation to sure, be in you sure. can respond to it quite well um, not 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 really not on a day to day basis um, it, it, it's it, you know a few I think the movies tend to dramatise it a little bit um, but you know I think yeah I think we we're it's all about preventing. I think we have very much have a culture of prevent prevent bad things from happening. So, you know, we have 150 people on board and two thirds of those are technicians and engineers who are constantly monitoring equipment. And, you know, you can kind of deal with, it's all about, you know, understanding what the kit's doing before it breaks so that you can, uh, you can yeah prevent the bad thing from happening. Obviously, things do do happen and get away from us because we're inhuman and and um you know and 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 stuff happens but um you know then there's kind of drills and stuff in place to make sure that all happens sorry this is like really unentertaining this is like a very no it's not it's fascinating life beneath the waves
0: it's fascinating because i've literally never well i've never met a submariner before so this is you know i love it um so how long are you down there for a period of time so do you obviously you're not down there for like a year at a time what's the kind of on-off period
1: it really varies we've got two types of Submarines. We've got um, uh, we've got a hunter killer uh, attack submarine, which are very much you know designed. To, they're the pointy end of the stick. They're there to deter other um, hostile forces and ships and submarines. Uh, you know, and, they, and they've got various other capabilities that they can do that are quite cool and sneaky. Um, and then we've got our our nuclear deterrent boats, um, which have. You know, which carry obviously you know our 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 last resort um you know and those will just go out for a period of time you know and we're talking you know months here um you know uh, uh, yeah kind of yeah can be over hundred days um and so you kind of that that's kind of a feel for the time away um yeah and you just go up for that time wouldn't surface at all
0: So no fresh um, air did you i mean does that even cross your mind when you're down there like I just want to go outside and get some fresh air.
1: So I think you, you very much accept the environment you're in. And I think that you, you know, you, you've had, by, by the time you're actually deploying on one of these things, you've had time, you know, you've, you've, you've gone through your military training. You, you, you appreciate the environment of just being in the military general. generally, you know. Um, you've gone through all your technical training, so you understand the environment you're in. Uh, and then it's about, you know, you develop your own coping strategies to, to exist there you know, you accept that your personal space is a premium, that actually the only place you're really, you know, in your own you you know, you've really got to yourself is your bunk. You know, that little kind of little coffin sort of shape bunk. Not 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 much bigger than a coffin. It sounds so morbid talk calling it a coffin, but uh it that is that is sort of the dimensions what you're you're looking at. You know very little oh, headspace, wow. but that is your space. That is you where you've got to kind of detach yourself and be on your own and, and just kind of, you know, but then obviously we've got, you know, you, 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 you try and exist in an environment where you're, um, you know, you've got your crewmates, there is downtime, there is social time, you've got a mess, you know, where you've got TV and games and, and, uh, and you know, where you can kind of switch off from your watchkeeping from the working day. Uh, but you're always, you're never really fully switched off, you know, you're always uh, poised to deal with whatever happens. Yeah, um, it's 24-7
0: could, really when you're down there, isn't it?
1: Oh, completely. You know, if something, if a fire were to break out, you don't wait for the fire people, firefighting people, to come and turn up. There's everyone, all 150 of us have a role to play in the in any emergency scenario. You know, uh, you know, if you're the if you're the chef, your priority isn't you know cutting carrots and 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 tonight's dinner. It's you know, you're you're immediately a first aider. You know, you've got a secondary. Everyone's got a secondary role immediately um you know it's 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 and they will go and close up you know in that, in that environment and I think that's really cool actually is that that you know we've all got that that secondary um kind of instinctive thing that we've got that we know that we've got to be be available for at a moment's notice when, you're, um, when you're, you know
0: but when you're back home though how do you kind of adapt to that then because you not just like sleeping in your bed when you're back at home and you're like on guard all the time like how do you psychologically switch your brain
1: it, it does it does take time and we do you know we are I think we're starting to understand I think this is something that's very new across the armed forces generally is appreciating mental health and um, you know uh, we've done it for you know, some years now understanding that people need to decompress um but it is you're absolutely right it is weird you know you'll be on a multiple month deployment where you're looking after you know i'd be looking after one of my teammates colleagues crewmates would be looking after a nuclear reactor or you know looking after weapon systems or driving a submarine or whatever you know and then suddenly within two days of being back you know you you've come back my world we have a two crew system so we've got you know you'd hand the submarine back over to another crew and then after that a few days later you're at home and you might be like going and doing the food shop and, and, you know, changing, changing nappies and, and, you know, things like that. And it's suddenly you're, it, it's, it's, we don't really think about it. We do try and slot back into that life, but it does take a while for some people. It does take, you know, it does, we do, it is a bit weird. I think for me, the thing I find the strangest is, um, sleeping in a quiet, in a, in a completely silenced room. I actually have got to the point where I need to put a fan on. Um, to help me fall asleep because I, it, it, you've always got a fan running on a submarine or a ship, actually. You've always got a fan. You want this air conditioning system running. And to me, the sound of the fan going off means that there's been a, there's an emergency, you know, which could be a fire. It could be a, 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 an oil burst. It could be something. So my instinct, if I hear the, you know, the fans go off, for me that's instinct to just wake up because I know that a couple of seconds later the general alarm will probably go off um so yeah that's that's um that's one that's kind of weird going getting back to it at home sleeping in complete silence yeah I can't do it I hate
0: it I bet I bet and you do a lot around mental health um you know you you were a champion I think uh I read with the navy to kind of help other submariners that are I, I suppose going through difficult times or just trying to adapt what kind of support do you guys provide what kind of help and support do you guys get generally what's it like
1: we're 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 evolving really quickly in this space this is this has actually been a real pleasure to have been a part of um i think a while well, a few years ago um I, I took a real interest in it um um having you know having seen some of my own team face challenges and it's just you know it's, it's everyday challenges we all you know we're all we've got three generations of people in our in the navy um you know and we all have Everything that everyone else goes through—domestic and illness, and um, you know, and stress at work, and all those kind of things—and actually uh, having a wider a breadth of perspective as to how we can um, we can um, you know provide access to support. And I think actually where where we're really lucky is there is loads of support, but it's about hearing it, it's about understanding who does what and where. I think that's something where a little bit, you know, there's so much out there at the moment, isn't it? Where as a, as a, as a, as a, as a country, very lucky. I think there is a lot of support out there, but it's, it's how, how it's signposted, how to make it available and actually destigmatizing people actually trying to access it. Particularly men, you know, I work in a very male dominated industry. Uh, You know, it's something that we, we, really poor at is you know men being vulnerable um being open with their feelings um what turning to turning to people for support you know it's 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 you know it's it's the biggest male killer isn't it um suicide and in, in you know across whatever age especially in high stress jobs in which ours ours is so um you know we we i took a real a real passion um in in that topic and a lot of it's been about cohering support and trying to get uh, you know, identify where the gaps are, you know, where, where are we lacking, where are we lacking, and what can we do about it, but actually one of the things I'm, and I suppose this is the link with the rowing, is one of the things I've been really, um, you know, I really see the value in, it's, it's about that preventative maintenance, you know, we do that with with machinery, you know, and you'd have done this when you did your clipper, you'll see that it's about maintaining things to prevent them from breaking, uh, and we do it with, you know, we do it with our physical health, don't we? Everyone's so. We're so driven to be physically, you know, in good shape, and there's pressure to look a certain way, and you know, we got, you know, we're encouraged to have diets that are, you know, all these fancy diets to do to to enhance our our health, don't we? And it's, it's absolutely, kind of, but we don't do it mentally. And it's, and it's all about preventive stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's you know, you talk about fitness. And I think mental fitness is this brilliant area. Uh, we did a whole load of stuff with some academics around mindfulness and, um, uh, you know, and how to enhance like one's mental fitness, you know, to, to be, cause you can, you can, you can, you can develop a fitter mind. You can, you can stretch, uh, you can expand your comfort zone. You can expand your stretch zone. Uh, you know, if you ask me, you know, a lot of it is stuff that we, you know, we do in everyday life, isn't it? Uh, if you ask me 15 years ago before I'd been in, was in the Navy, I want you to go into a room that's on fire you know, everything's on fire from floor to ceiling, it's just fire in there. Mm-hmm. I would i would laugh in your face and be like, you know, Roger. Not that, a chance. No yeah, that's not my comfort zone. That's my panic zone. Uh but I've been through you know, I went through through training, I went through uh, you know, firefighting, firefighter awareness, firefighter training, I did an advanced firefight, you know, all these kind of courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I went into simulators where it's all, you know, um um training you know, training They've got these, um, you know, these fires that they can turn on and off that are, you know, floor to ceiling. Uh, you know, and I've developed trust in the equipment, I've trust in myself and the process. And suddenly it's it's autopilot. Less that's my, scary. That's yeah. my, that's my, com- that's not comfort zone, that's my stretch zone. I can operate mm. in that and, and not be overwhelmed. Mm. Uh, and I think you can do that with everything, really. I think it's, so I think, yeah, I love this topic of mental fitness that you can, you can develop a more resilient mind by being proactive rather than waiting. you know it's a little bit about like that physical thing you don't wait until you're you know you're fifty stone and and you know and you're you can't walk anymore and your knees are broken to go, "Oh, I should probably do something about this no you're right uh, you know, yeah. So, yeah, I love that. love that, that theme.
0: Yeah. And, you, you know, you were talking about the rowing there as well. And that's it's a perfect kind of segue into the amazing thing that you guys have done, but also doing again. I mean, I'm not going to spoil your story. Tell me. Tell me about what you did and what you're doing.
1: So for me, actually, it was it came about a few years ago. Uh, actually, there was a mental health link to it. I had a, I had a neck injury. I used to be a rugby player um, for, for a long time. I think yeah, I've been playing since I was a teenager. I was in my early thirties, and I, I had neck injury that made me forced me to retire from from rugby. And there was that kind of loss of identity, and didn't know, you know, and, um you know what do I do now? And you know, tried, tried. Yeah, obviously, there's a lot around recovery, but when I'd recovered or during my recovery phase, um, I found out through a friend who who'd actually signed up to do the Atlantic Row that that people rode oceans. But this was suddenly that this was a thing. I had no idea that it was. It, it just seems. Yeah, you know, like most people's reaction to me when they, when I talk about it, I just like, I didn't know that you could do that. No. That's, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. You know, so it, 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 it caught my eye. It caught my interest. Um, you know, we wanted to develop, um, we thought let's get a Navy submariners team out into this, um, this Atlantic race. Uh, and I got, I found three other, three other cool, cool submariners at the time. Um, some, some, some characters um, that I knew through through sport, through work. Um, And uh, and we put put this campaign together HMS Audacious uh, over about 18 months. You know, we prepared and got a a campaign together. Um, And then we, yeah, December 2019 into January 2020, we we embarked on this uh, this Atlantic crossing, leaving from the Canary Islands to Antigua, uh, 3,000 miles, yeah, 4,800 kilometers, sounds more. Sounds more when you do it in kilometers. <laughs> it's
0: impressive. Full <laughs>
1: stops. <I> don't worry. <laughs> uh, I like uh, yeah. No. Exactly. And we yeah. we spent um, some days out on the water um, and got into Antigua. Really cool place to finish as well. Um, and it was just like, the main main reason we're doing it again is it just unlocked potential in us that we never knew. We never knew was there. Yeah. So, sure. Not just the row. I think the row is actually the tip of the iceberg. That way you. Where you, um, you know, obviously taken way out of your comfort zone, <laughs> uh, you. You know, and you're suddenly in you are suddenly in a in a sleep pattern that is completely alien to most people. You know, that two hours on, two hours off. Probably, like young parents, I can imagine are yeah are get, get probably are the most most relatable. Where it's, you you know you you live for naps, but you know it, it's you're teaching your body how to you know go through a calorie deficit. That's you know. Four times what it's used to, and, and, and having to you know kind of force feed yourself, and you know you, we had waves over forty foot high uh, on our first day. Wow! For the first first day, you know they were they they tell you on the on the race joining pack, they're like, oh you, you know expect seesaw sort um, seasickness, and and uh, and waves up to twenty feet high, and we were like, oh cool, twenty feet high, never seen that. And then first night it was like, oh these are forty feet high, this is horrendous. Wow. Uh, it was like living. I think I love this that expression. It was um, it's like being on a log flume, <laughs> but for like a for like a week. You know. Wow! So uh, you did, literally
0: you've lived under the water and above the water. You're a bit obsessed yeah. with water. Um, but didn't you capsize at one point? Did I read somewhere? What
1: was that like? Yeah, we we had a capsize. Actually, um, this is actually very submariner it was you know you it's very it, i could, i really compare it to an incident on a submarine where you're kind of plodding along on your like you know you're you you've been doing this this kind of quite repetitive shift pattern and it's very kind of um yeah there's a kind of monotony to it of you know 2 hours on 2 hours off you're either rowing or eating or sleeping or cleaning yourself or fixing something very kind of and then suddenly something very you know very quite extreme uh potentially life-threatening happens and you've got to go through your drills and you practiced it you know we, we we practiced it we'd been in a in a we went down to the kinetic, the kinetic um, ocean basin got a crane and flipped the boat a few times with us in it just to kind of know what we would do and who would be where and how mm-hmm. how the boat would behave and and so on yeah you know, for me i was in the cabin i was fast asleep in the cabin in the back cabin um and i just remember being flipped upside down a load of stuff falling on me 20 odd 30 odd liters of water flooding in through the cabin um air hatch uh that we had you know the the, the um the air vent that you have there that i should have probably shut really uh but it was it was i knew in that in that moment that we were kind of very briefly upset and only a couple seconds, you know, I knew okay. that. So you weren't just we like had, we upside
0: tr- down. It was literally like no, a flip, was it? No,
1: it was, it was starting. Yeah. The boat's got enough buoyancy in it to start turning. Um, um, like our, 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 one of our oars had to snap because of the force of being, you know, flipped. Um you know, we were going down this enormous wave at the time, but it happened so suddenly. And the guys on deck were, one of them got spat out into the sea. One of them was, managed to stay on deck but was kind of knocked around. I think there was a chip tooth between them. Um, and, you know, when you're in the cabins, you know that you, all you want to do is get out on deck and help and make sure that everyone's okay. But you know that that's going to make things worse. So you've got a role to play. A little bit like the, I talked about the chef on the submarine who, you know, his job isn't to go and run towards the fire to put it out. His job is to go and set up as the first aider waiting for someone, you know, there's a, everyone's got a part to play in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And we knew, in the cabin that the two guys on deck had a part to play that they would, you know, the, 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 the guy on deck would fish the guy out of the sea. Cause you know, you're lifeline to the boat at all times. Um, they would, you know, get the boat back on course. Um, and, and, and then we'd be safe again. And then once we're safe, then you can start doing your damage assessment. And, and so it was actually like, there was almost like an excitement to it for us. It was like, yeah, we survived, you know, it's not even survived. We, we got through it. We did well, the drills all happened well. Um, you know, we now we're let's kind of do our damage recovery and you know get the water out the cabins and work out what we've lost. Uh, you know, because obviously when you capsize, most actually we didn't lose much. The only thing, that went overboard was, then we lost one of our one of our buckets, uh, which you know, so one of our toilets. Oh, uh, lovely! And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and my trainers, which was ah. really annoying because <laughs> I had to row. You no, know, I rode barefoot and I shared a pair of trainers with one of my one of my crewmates and. I was a bit minging. But, yeah. <laughs>
0: but when you're living in such close quarters like that, you know, it doesn't really matter, I suppose.
1: Oh, yeah, like a bit of, bit of sharing. <laughs> sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Exactly. Yeah, but,
0: yeah. And so the next race, you know, what, obviously you've done it before now. So are you feeling... Any different with the pre-prep this time? Because obviously you'll be in training physically and, you know, with like nutrition and all of that and mentally you'll oh, be preparing definitely. yourself. So how how's the kind of the prep differ this time now that you know what to expect?
1: So it's so different. I think a lot of our lot of our prep is around. Um I think we'll do a lot more in the teamwork. Um culture um space to get get that that environment absolutely right you know we had a really good team but there's always things that you could do better um you know around uh showing vulnerability and compassion and things like that i think because it's it's hard you know there's no there's no getting around that physically um last time we were so focused on being big and strong and you know big rowing kind of speeds and all that kind of stuff and actually that probably less of that and more in the mobility space because, you know, you can be as big and strong as you want and row 2K as fast as you like, but, you know, you need to be able to repeat that performance on day 30, the same performance on day 30 as day one. So actually probably a lot more on uh, on mobility and yoga and, uh, you know, kind of um, range of motion so that, you know, that, that you're not seizing up when you're a bit cold and tired um you know and you can you can uh, especially again this is back to the curse of a lot of men we're all rigid you know we're all we're all, we're all rigid and 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 you know i focus too much on lifting weights and getting you know but it it's that's so relevant when you're you're just trying to like keep ticking on and keep going um so yeah very, very different approach this time obviously we know about you know what what to expect with the highs and lows and the preparation and and so we'll, we'll take that mindset into the next one um, you know and I talked about the row is just the is tip of the iceberg. The row is incredible, you know and and it's um yeah, every bit of it's got a special a special moment, and you know there's the hard bits that you you, you feel so rewarded overcoming and uh, you know and obviously finishing in a wonderful place where your family are waiting is quite quite magical as well. Uh, but actually like all the stuff we do before um, and after is really cool you know when you're working with going and talking at schools and and uh, and sea cadets and scout groups and going and working and doing stem uh, events and working with sponsors you know for some of my guys you know they they don't get that um, they don't get that interaction outside of their day job you know actually it's quite special for them to to grow in a different way Uh, that's it and inspire others as well oh massively it's 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 um yeah, I think it's it's um we we normalize our line of work, you know, I talk about as I said a second ago, it's like you don't want to hear about life on a submarine It's boring, but that's boring to me you know it's not it's, boring it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's exactly, and I think some of our guys it's really special for them to share their world and and to you know especially when they're talking to schools and, and kids and stuff where they're where they are just in awe of what they do and to feel that. I think it's quite rewarding for 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 my for my team is is quite nice for them to to feel that kind of love from yeah. the the public. Um because again m- much of what we do is quite secretive, what very secretive. Uh we don't we don't advertise ourselves massively. We don't show our world off, so people don't really appreciate what what we go through and what the we same. do. So it's quite nice for us to have you know showcase ourselves in a different in a different way. Um yeah, yeah, it's
0: brilliant. Cool. Uh, fair play to you and best of luck. I hope the next row goes really well and I'd love to catch up with you afterwards to find out how it went. But, um, but thanks for today, Hugo. It's been so nice speaking to you and to kind of learn about life under the sea and above the sea and all the great stuff you're doing with mental health as well. So uh, please keep in touch because I- I've loved our chat today, but thank you.
1: Thank you, Katie. Thanks for having me.